We turn to the gospel according to John in the fourth chapter, familiar story of many of us, the story of the woman at the well. We're going to read the first part of that story and we'll conclude it next week. This is the, well, this is what John tells us. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard Jesus is making and baptizing more disciples than John, although it was not Jesus himself, but his disciples who baptized, he left Judea and started back to Galilee. But, and this is how I picture it being read back at the time, but he had to go through Samaria. And everybody would then say, oh, so let's practice that. But he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water again. This is the word of the Lord. Join me in a prayer. In these moments where we gather in this place, this place that is set aside for the purpose of our worshiping you, we ask one thing, and that is that you give us the gift of your Holy Spirit. Come and be present with us that we may hear what you would have us hear and be the people you would have us be. Refresh and renew us with yourself your living word, we pray, O oh God, through Christ our Lord. Amen. So today kicks off the start of our stewardship campaign for 2020. And the theme for our stewardship this year is the same as our new mission statement for the church, building relationships wherever we go. And the full mission statement, that that's just the tagline. The entire thing can be viewed on our church website in the About section, and I, but I want to read just the first part of it for you because we're going to use that for our time together. 
It starts off this way. We believe our world is in desperate need of a church that makes relationships and reconciliation not just a priority, but a way of life. Canyon Creek Presbyterian Church is therefore called to, and these are the three points I want us to look at this morning. They're going to put it on the screen. Seek what God wants to do in and through us. Affirm the value of every person without exception. Respond compassionately to the needs of our neighbors. Now, that's going to stay up through the rest of the message, so you can refer to it when you need to. The entire, the whole statement began with a conversation that started two years ago with the session, the leaders of our church. And we started asking the question, what makes Canyon Creek Church stand out? What is it that makes us unique? Who are we in essence? And in that conversation along the way, one of the exercises that we did was to bring different stories from the Bible. Each of us brought one or two stories from the Bible that we thought exemplified this church, the strengths of this church. And when we did that, we threw them all in a pile in the table and two rose above the rest. The Good Samaritan and the woman at the well. And so for the next couple of weeks, we're going to use those two stories as we walk through our stewardship series this year. Good Samaritan and the woman at the well. And I want to use these three, as we start off today, we just read the first part of the woman at the well, I want to use these three lines from our mission statement to kind of, in, or in light of that story. So let's start off with the first one. Seek what God wants to do in and through us. Now, when I hear that line attached to this story, I see it everywhere. This whole story is filled, it's soaking with a, an atmosphere of seeking. First off, we have Jesus who models for us what seeking God in every place we are looks like. He does that everywhere. It's just part of his spiritual posture. Whenever you read about where Jesus is going, you have this sense that he has an expectation for God to be present there, wherever that may be. And that's no different in this story. When the disciples are going through Samaria and they stop and they got to go into town and get some food and he stays out by the well and waits and there's this posture of expectancy. It's almost like the moment is pregnant with the presence of God. And he models that for us, this seeking, seeking what God might do. And then this woman walks up. And in this way that feels like he's completely open to possibility, he begins a conversation with her. Just by his posture alone, Jesus shows us what it looks like for us to enter every situation as if God might be about to do something there. And then they have this conversation, and the woman starts seeking. She wasn't when she came up, or at least that's what it feels like. It feels like she's just coming to the well to get water like she does all the time. They begin this conversation, and her, her posture changes to a place of seeking. Where do you get this living water, she says, and ends the whole thing with, let me have some of that 
you know, good stuff. You know, where is that? She gets curious. She starts seeking. And so the whole thing makes me wonder how different our day might look if we were to have that kind of spiritual posture all the time. If everywhere you went, if every single person you came across, you had it branded to your brain that God had gone ahead of you and was present, about to do something, as if this encounter, this conversation, this situation might be pregnant with the possibilities of God, how different would your day look if you were able to do that? A little bit later in John, in uh, chapter 14... Jesus says to his disciples, he says, I'm going ahead of you to prepare a place for you. Y'all may remember that line. We tend to equate that line with some type, type of eternal significance. And it, and it does have that. But what if he's basically saying, everywhere you go, have this expecta- expectation that I've already gone ahead of you and prepared a place for you. What if we were to actually live as if that were really true? Seek what God wants to do in and through us. Now I'm going to confess that I'm not very good at that. I tend to make plans. I make a plan, revise the plan, review the plan, stick to the plan, man, you know. So much so that sometimes I forget that God might be wanting to do something in and through me because I'm sticking to the plan. I know y'all never do that, but I sometimes do. Sometimes do. If I were sitting there at the well waiting for the woman, or, and the woman happened upon the well, I would probably be too distracted to notice her. I'd probably be texting somebody. What about you? She agrees. The second two lines you could almost read together. They're complementary. Affirm the value of every person without exception. Respond compassionately to the needs of our neighbors. They complement one another. They're, they're in, in a sense, saying something similar in a different way. Respond and affirm. And when you, if there's a lesson to be taken from this story above any other lesson it's that one to affirm the value of every person without exception to respond to the needs of our neighbors that's the lesson of this story if there's no other lesson to take from it take that one and when you read them you kind of just sit there and go right no-brainer obvious that's an obvious thing shouldn't we do that isn't that part of the Christian life to affirm the value of every person we come across as someone valued by God and to respond to the needs they have to have some mutual relationship in that regard isn't that a no-brainer right no-brainer no problem no big deal except that it it's a really big deal And quite frankly, we're not very good at actually doing it. We tend instead to place different values on different people. We compare people to one another, compare ourselves 
to those around us. We place ourselves on tears. We've always done that. It's happening in the story. That's why John starts off and says, well, they had to go through Samaria and everybody went, right. Those poor Samaritans that are beneath us, why are they beneath us? Because, well, years before they had a disagreement on where the actual temple worship of God was to be. That's it. That was the disagreement. And so now they're divided. They don't talk to each other. They don't want to be around each other. You're not supposed to interface with anyone in Samaria. You walk around rather than go through. But not in this story. What Jesus does in this story is completely unexpected. He not only talks to a woman in public, which was a no-no at the time, he talks to a Samaritan woman in public. What's hard for us to grasp is he risked his entire ministry in this one conversation by affirming the value of every person without exception. Not only did that, he treated her like a neighbor. He began to listen to her need. He went a step further. Now, I just can't help but think of how different our day would be if we were able to to do that wherever we went. If wherever we went, if with every person we encountered, we had it branded in our brain that, that we're to affirm the value of this person as precious in the eyes of God, that we are to, to listen, to strap on big ears and listen to their needs and try to re- respond to them, hoping they might do the same for us. How different would our day be? I recently read a quote from spiritual writer and priest, uh, Richard Rohr. And Rohr says this, he says, God always loves more than the person who loves us the most. God always loves more than the one who loves us the most. It's a great line. What if we were to hang that in front of our face as we walked around in this world, try to live into that? How different would your day be then? I'm going to admit to you that I'm not very good at it myself. I struggle with that one. Because every time someone comes up to me, happened this morning, after I preached this sermon at 9 o'clock, walks up to me, what do I do? I start making assumptions about who they are. Simply by how they look, I assume that I know what they're going to say, how they're going to act, how they should be treated, how they are in comparison to me. (laughs) And usually they're better. But you know, I do that because we do that. Not y'all, y'all don't do it, but, but I sometimes do. If I was sitting there at the well, this woman walked up, I'd immediately start making judgments about her. What would you do? Now, what does all this have to do with stewardship? Well, nothing. 
and everything. It has nothing to do with it in a sense that, you know, no one's asking for money here. If that's your tight definition of stewardship, it has to do with money, which really is terrible because stewardship is such a big word. It has everything to do with stewardship because stewardship has to do with how you steward who you are in this world. How do you manage that? How do you enter into every moment you enter? How are you stewarding yourself? It has everything to do with stewardship because everything about this story is about the challenge of building relationships wherever we go. To model our lives, pattern them after Christ. It's got everything to do with it. And if you're going to be part of that mission in the life of this church, if you're going to be with us on that, then you need to give to it everything you've got. Seek, affirm, respond. Three words Jesus models for us in this story. Three words that are part of our new mission together. May those words fall into your heart and become part of your life wherever you go. We're going to close with the first of our stewardship videos this year. They'll come out each week. They're going to, they'll show you some of what we've been doing together and some of our plans that we have. As you watch it, I want you to ask yourself this one question. How much am I willing to give to this church? What is God leading me to do? Take a look. This is a pivotal year for Canyon Creek Presbyterian Church. We're in the middle of paying off our mortgage after a highly successful capital campaign. And we have a new mission statement, building relationships wherever we go. It's something that Jesus did better than anyone else. Everywhere he went, he literally built relationships quite often with the kind of people you would never expect. So that is our stewardship campaign theme this year. And we're going to focus on three different aspects of building relationships. Building a relationship with God, building a relationship with one another, building relationships with the wider world. Each week you're going to see a video that highlights one of those relational pieces, as well as inform you on the ministry plans we have around each of them. I can't wait for you to see it. You're going to love it. In this space behind me in the atrium, we are excited to launch our new alternative worship experience. And we have arrived at a name and a vision. And there's been a task force working at it. So it will be once a month on Thursday evenings, and we're calling it STIR. It's an open and inclusive place for all uh, people to come and worship. Uh, we recognize that culture has changed. Uh, we in the church like to say that culture is changing, but it's actually, it actually changed a long time ago with how people view religion and, and, and organized worship. And STIR seeks to be a place that welcomes all people uh, from, a different, uh, from different backgrounds, um, 
relative to religion and understanding how God relates to humanity, especially in worship. And so we're just excited to try some new and different things with worship, and we, we look forward to, uh, it, we, we think of it as an outreach, uh, to, to step outside of what we're, step outside of the box, so to speak, and to do something new and fun in the life of the church as it relates to worship. Worship for us at Canyon Creek is central. The music we rehearse and the praise team and the choirs of the church are all intended to nurture our relationship with God. In our children's music area, we intend to re-begin our children's handbell choir, Celebration Ringers, under the direction of Sarah Allen, our new director of children's music. And in the youth area, next summer we're going to Central Florida for our Revelation Choir Tour mission trip. When our young people sing in churches and retirement centers and inner city homeless shelters, the impact they make on the lives of the people they hear is just palpable. I'm standing here before our columbarium and I wanted you to know that just this last year we have completely converted the prayer room right next to the columbarium. It was a storage room and through your help we were able to transform that into a sacred place for healing. We are a church on a new mission, building relationships wherever we go, and we're asking for your financial support in 2020.